I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Okay, the word is out. Talk about the VOD and the silver screen. Kevin and Tom and Joe know all there is to know from masterpieces to deep fried tacos. And if the movie sucks, you might hear them say, There's no telling where the guys will take you. Get ready for a spoiler. Won't say it twice because we're already. Broadcasting from the lush but not lavish studios located in the basement of the O'Keefe Institute for Advanced Film Snarkitude, this is Real Spoilers, episode 628, Judas and the Black Messiah. Was there a the in the title? Did I miss a the? I don't think so. <laughs> okay. it's. I mean, you put it in the right place. Okay, cool. I don't know if it was the Judas and the Black I get my thes all confused. Also, you know what? You're outnumbered broadcasting from the, I mean... We're all in different locations now, and I don't know how long. I mean, it's been a while, and for the foreseeable future, so that <laughs> yeah, opening. It's been a year. I'm not writing a new one. Be- I've already written like four of these things, five of these things. I just keep thinking, I'm like, I'm not there, liar. <laughs> See, I make, I make it up by say, by doing this part of, of it in the opening. Let's go around the virtual table, and we can all introduce ourselves. This is Joe. This is Kevin. And this is Tom. And uh, joining us today from the Cup of Soul podcast, it's Katia Woods. Hey, how's it going? Nice to be here. Nice to be here. I feel like I'm not in the basement, but I am in my spare room. So it's kind of feels like it's <laughs> better. We used to broadcast from an actual a closet. legitimate closet. Yeah. For a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. When I'm. I when we when I moved houses and so the studio we couldn't leave the studio in the old house the new owners were weird about that and uh, <laughs> yeah. hey we're here um, okay yeah <laughs> we're let us in uh, you just build that into the clo- the contract next time yeah. but okay. so while we were I was having the the basement of the house finished like we had to like tuck away literally in a closet next to the hot water heater no the sump pump that's what we were next to. So I mean, there were comics there. Joe was happy, but yeah, we he didn't say like two words for the whole episode because he was just reading books. It was, and then I saw your organizing system, and I almost had a heart attack. So it's I, bad. I I'm to, so far I had behind. To walk away. I, well, 
I'm like, if you're looking for a part-time job, you can come over and get them Don't all in order. Me. At least it wasn't like the laundry room where you know people are like. <laughs> that was our first studio. oh so uh well before we get into the movie itself uh shameless plugs don't forget we're available on apple Podcasts, spotify google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts you can find us uh also while you're there be sure and subscribe so you never miss an episode check out our facebook page facebook.com slash real spoilers while you're there like the page join the group and if you would be so kind through your social media platform of choice share an episode so your friends and or loved ones are aware of the show people who were kind enough to share an episode this is over the last two weeks because i forgot last week so so uh brace yourself and take a week off and all goes to hell i know uh jason we see aaron marlowe pat andy gabriel lugo heather Sachs, travis tewitt jeff wildman Ralph Tribble, Chris Williams, Chris Falls, Julianne Jordan, Brent Smith, Ron Johnson, Tammy Sherman Powers, Chris Sanders, Librarian Cynthia, Lane Levanway, and then sliding on over to Twitter, Invasion of the Remake, Nerd Adonis, uh, The Cinema Guys, Katia Woods, thank you. Oh. Uh, yeah, so she, Brad Hyen will write, it's okay, <laughs> even though she's on this episode, she shared an episode she wasn't on, so she still gets the credit. Brad Hyen rule works. is in effect. Yes. Uh Mike, Mike, and Oscar, Ronnie Castle, Josh Dykstra. It's a fandom thing podcast, in session film, cinnamon re- cinema recall. Although cinnamon recall sounds really delightful. Uh, ro- Not if it's recalled. <laughs> no, all cinnamon is good cinnamon. Uh, Rosa reviews Ryan Terry from the Forza Crowd pi- podcast, Minorities Report podcast, Met Niglia, Geek to Me Radio, Feeling Film Trivia. Chick or Chic, I'm not sure how they're saying that, and Renegade Pop Culture. So thank you very much for sharing the show. And finally, one last plug, uh, don't forget we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash real spoilers, where for five bucks a month you get all sorts of bonus content, you help out, and we like you a little extra. And the comics are gone. Oh, Joe's blown through all They've his been, comics. They have been, they have been mailed. Oh. They are out the door. There we go. So uh, yes. uh, anyway, Judas and the Black Messiah. Again, I, I'm sure you guys talked about it. This is, to me, this is very interesting in the release model, where these are top level box office movies mm-hmm. that I guess Warner Brothers and Disney and uh, other companies are just like, I'm not sitting on them anymore. Yeah, like we're not we're not waiting to the summer of 2021. I feel bad that this movie couldn't get released theatrically in a traditional. Time, in a normal time yeah. period, because I think that this movie would have been a breakout hit. I think this would have been a hundred million, a hundred and fifty million dollar box office film. It would have been one of those. I, I honestly, it would have been one of those surprise releases where people didn't see it coming, and it ended up being a big deal. That's my my gut. Do you think it would have been like one of the, like sometimes you get these really really good films that are art house movies and then after they're done with their week or two at the art house then they're like boom at the Cineplex and they're just there forever because like do you think it would have been like that I or think, would it have just hit the ground running Like my guess would have been that the rollout on this movie just from a pure marketing standpoint would have been I mean similar to what we would see now it would have been it would have been uh your a February release to either tie into Black History Month or Martin Luther King weekend. I know that's not February, uh, but uh, but that time frame. And I think that it would have it would have gained a lot of buzz in that regard. And it would have broke out the same way. And I know these movies aren't aren't serious like 
like this one is or 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 true to life like this one but the same way that like you know that uh what uh ride along broke out in that time period get out broke yeah. out in that time period like i th- i think this movie would have followed that trajectory because it, it i agree i agree i think we underestimate there is a starvation for black history to be seen. People are under this assumption that there's been a lot of pictures like this and there haven't, yeah. you know, Chaka keeps that at best. There hasn't been a lot. Hollywood has not been thirsting to make movies about things that happened to black people other than slavery and Martin Luther yeah. King. There's been documentaries, which is a whole sure. different spiel. You know what I mean? With documentaries, I think you have more freedom people are more willing to go down that wheel, like, you know, the James Baldwin and the list goes on and on. There's a really good one right now called Black Art on HBO, but not like this. I think people in the inner city, not just in New York, Chicago, LA, I think people in Milwaukee would have came out. I think in uh, people in New Orleans and Memphis would have came out uh, because this is, you know, the Black Panthers were all over the country. And I just recently learned, forgive my ignorance, it really big in the UK, you know, as we learned through mangrove and stuff like that. So it's just, I think it's a theme. There's a thirst here because again, we don't get taught things in school. You know what I mean? Our history is very skewed and you're, you grow up and you think you know stuff and then you're like, wow, this happened. Why don't I know this? Why didn't anybody teach us this? That's you like know? the the Tulsa the the opening scene of the, the the series Watchmen, like when it they they go into Tulsa and it's just like I didn't I had no idea, like I had no clue that was even a thing. Watching this movie, I mean, and I was not familiar with this story, but it's interesting when you see in film when you look at. J. Edgar Hoover and like when I grew up you always hear about oh J. Edgar Hoover was the first director of the FBI and you always think of him as kind of like this hero this great person and then you see this movie and you're like oh like this is what he was doing and you just start to realize that history has been told from well a yeah J. Edgar Hoover was shady AF it, but uh yeah he's kind of a scumbag <laughs> But they used to like he used to be like. Oh, I mean, he bankrolled his own TV show, right? The Untouchables, like he, you know, and they they like right. made a big deal about like in conjunction with the FBI. That's because if you wanted to be conjunctif- conjunctified, you were going to tell the stories that J. Edgar Hoover wanted you to tell, which then right. got a generation of people to be like, "This guy is amazing. I love the FBI." Blah blah. Yeah, that's exactly. So it's like you you grow up thinking one thing because of the the perspective of the stories, and then you start to see how things really were, and you start to see the struggle from uh, the perspective that it should be told from. And so this film I thought was fascinating, and I didn't know the story, but you get a couple of powerhouse performances well, that, in it, that, like Daniel yes. Kaluuya and Lakeith Stanfield are two of the best actors. If you look at there, there is an interview out there. I think you can find it on YouTube from William O'Neill. It's from the Eyes and the Prize, which again is a series PBS. Um, that's where, like, the interview that the opening sequence. Um, you know, in case you want to see it for yourself, it's very chilling, and you know, this you can you're not going to feel better about the guy, but it gives you some insight on all this stuff and how the FBI really manipulated people into helping them with these little agendas, so to say. 
And that's really your point of entry because there is no documentation, as we know, um, that of the actual interaction between the FBI agent and William O'Neill because everything was done off the books and technically for this conversation, only two people knew one of them was Hoover and this gentleman and O'Neill and two of them are dead. So how do you, how do you trace that? Do you know what I mean? So I think that's the other challenge, you know, black history hasn't been notated accurately and hasn't been notated period. So when you do these things, we have, of course, the, what happened to Fred and, and, you know, how they displayed that mattress and horrible and all of that. And that's horrible in itself. Um, just to give a little more context, my question to Shaka was, why weren't there more people from the Black Panthers involved? Because you have people that are alive and, you know, some of them are in prison, but a lot of them are alive and they chose not to. So a couple people did, but a majority of them did not choose to participate. So, you know, I think obviously they don't trust Hollywood, don't trust the system having gone through and probably some of them don't want to relive that, you know, especially if you were there when he got shot. So it's hard. The fact that he was able to put something together is pretty remarkable because what? how do you do it when you have the puzzle is like. Well, and when you talk about them not wanting to participate, like also keep in mind when the movie was being assembled from a political standpoint. Right. Like, sure. Like, if I mean, you you see a president who was I mean. Uh, fuck it, I don't care. Who was weaponizing the <laughs> FBI for his own personal agenda? And so, if you were somebody who already had been through a government doing something like that, like how 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 willing are you going to be to reinvite that into your life when you're seventy? You know what I mean? Like you're just going to be, like, and you're not even right. sure, and you're not even sure your words aren't going to be twisted in a way that fits the director's narrative yeah there's so many there's right? so like many places where that can fall apart and not be the story you want out there that you're just like you right. know what i'm out right plus we know hollywood is really let's be honest right these people aren't sitting in an office saying i want to tell the most accurate story they're thinking about what is the most entertaining yeah, what's going exactly. to get because again, this was pre-pandemic when they put this all together. They're like, "What's going to get yeah. butts in the seats?" You know what I mean? What's going to be the most salacious story? You have all of that going on. Do you know what I mean? So I understand it. You know, and you got to respect that. Um, and I think it was hard for Frank Hepburn's widow to to. You know, I think they were very explicit that certain things were not to be shown in a certain way. You know what I mean? You, I do, you mean do you mean fun. from from Frank's family's point of view or that the, the creators didn't want to show certain things? I think they had, I don't want to say Fred Hampton Jr. as much because he wasn't alive. Sure. You know what I mean? But I, I think Deborah goes by a different name now. Uh, she was there when he mm -hmm. was killed. So I think her personal trauma... Just the fact that that would have really left you even more traumatized because he was shot ninety to ninety four times. Do we need to see that on film in order for us to get the? Message? And I I don't think that we do. I I disagree. I think no, we absolutely do. It. I I th I I th I think that uh, not from a from like a a purient standpoint, but like think like that that's awful that what they did and that that needs to be documented and 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 people need to see 
what occurred for them to really understand the severity of it. You know what I mean? But did they show it on film though? Is my they don't? No, they don't show it on film. I yeah, I feel like you get it. You think you get it, and I think again, and I think it was out of respect sure. for the family. Sure, sure. You know, mm-hmm. there is there are documentaries and things like that where they hone that point in. You see the mattress where you know it's, it was soaked with blood, and um, because again, that was done to deter other people that had any idea that any ideas of wanting to uprise and organize. If you go down this road, this is what yeah. will happen to you. Like, yeah, I, I agree. I got the idea of what happened when you see all the bullets fired and all the people that did get shot in the blood and everything like i think they were respectful to his family so they didn't have to relive seeing him get shot but like i felt like he was i i i totally like what they did to him and the whole movie and the whole story was so bad and also shooting up that entire apartment yeah, full for of people yeah. it just like i got the idea and it was done in a way that was respectful but also got across how terrible of an event that it was so like i agree i, I think it would have been gratuitous although it definitely would have hammered the point home but like i got it this whole movie was two hours of like wow the way that you know these people were treated and the betrayal by the government and it's it was i don't even know if i call it betrayal because someone have to be on your side to betray you you know so okay i know (laughs) but i mean like betrayal of trust you know just to the government and the people and i think jesse uh, pliven's character kind of was on his side Mm -hmm. Sort of on his side. He did what he and he, yeah, that's yeah, true. But he I, wasn't. You know, you get that. You get the scene with Martin Sheen where he's you know asking about Jesse Plevin's daughter bringing home a black man, and Jesse Plevin's is like, "Why are we even having this conversation?" So like, there are degrees of people being on willing to do things for their job without crossing a line. But then you've got other people who don't care about that yeah. line. And Jesse Plevins is. I mean, and I get a, the a decision I, the, to make. It's. I mean, I get that he. Maybe he wasn't as bad as J. Edgar Hoover, but he was still on J. Edgar Hoover's side. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, at the end of the day, yeah, he, he didn't stand up. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. The manipulation, also of knowing that O'Neill's weaknesses, and he knew that mm-hmm. he would have no morals. You know what I mean? I mean, also in the movie, we don't. It's not. Um, just for the record, O'Neill was a career criminal. Like, it wasn't just car theft. It was a myriad of other things. So we're not dealing with an end of... That's why they picked it. Because you were already was morally mm-hmm. corrupt. You couldn't just take a regular guy off the street that didn't have any of those fallacies. You know what I mean? So they definitely picked the guy that already was on the wrong side of everything. They didn't care about anybody but himself. Yeah, and and Roy Mitchell, the FBI agent that Jesse Plemons plays, I mean, he manipulated him from start to finish. I mean, he knew the guy that he had and was able to do exactly, like, every time he was like, you know, oh, well, I need to get paid for what I'm doing here. And he's like, yeah, you know, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Like, he was willing to do whatever it took. He knew how And Mitchell was, uh, that was his his kind of, calling card or what he what he was best known for was his ability to get people to talk like that's and that's why he worked he worked on a lot of high profile cases and he he references one where he where he went to Mississippi that's the one that that story he tells is the basis for the film Mississippi burning so 
Oh, is that yeah, right? So he he was involved in a lot of high profile cases, and there were sometimes when he was doing the right, and that's I think that's how he justified it to himself, right? Of like, I'm the great moderate, and the the Klan and the Black Panthers are the same thing, and it's like, well, uh, eh, are they though? But <laughs> yeah, I think that's your that that's your that's the reveal right there when when a character says. When, that the clan and the Black Panthers are the same, you know yeah. he's right. not a and, good dude. Right. I mean that right there. And there's if William, no explaining if, that away. If that William right O'Neill is Judas, then Mitchell is Pontius Pilate. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good yeah. call. Yeah, absolutely. Very good. I went to Catholic yeah. school, so, so it's stuck. <laughs> and, and you know, because it is that type of thing where, like, I really wasn't the one whose idea it was, but yeah. you didn't stop it. Right. Exactly. Right. 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 You did go. You went along, which with I get. It. Which also, again, like, okay, to his credit, like, what are you going to do against J. Edgar Hoover? I don't know that he necessarily, but, like, could have stopped him, but he also could have, like, well, I'm not participating. So, okay, okay, okay. In retrospect, yes, he could have done that. On the flip side of that, though, when they're having that conversation, that is definitely a conversation that is where J. Edgar Hoover is saying, without saying, your job is on the line here. Like depending on how well, you sure, answer this right, question, I, and and yeah. I agree that there is a there's a moment where you can either lie on your morals, or you can keep providing for your family. And he is faced with a decision where it's like I could lose this job, this job that I've probably worked my ass off for, and then and it's it's a government job, right? Get, like and he's, get, he's building right, towards and get his, blackballed. He's, You're out. He's building towards. You are his, out of law enforcement. He's building towards his pension. And, uh, you know, right. like, he, so, I mean, I, I get the conflict. I just don't know that. He, I just don't know that ultimately he was all that conflicted. I don't think that I think there are moments where he is conflicted. But the bottom line is he did what he had to do to get that guy. Did he did he did he want I think, to? I think he believed. I think he believed that the Klan and the Black Panthers were the same sure. thing. And that is the beginning and the end of the conversation. Whether he totally agreed with what J. Edgar Hoover was doing, okay, he was a little uncomfortable. That's fine. But those were his beliefs, that they right. were the same. And right there shows you what side he was on. And, uh-huh. you know, I mean, if that's true, again, I don't know if that conversation, think, that yeah, could have I mean, been a dramatization. That, that in itself would be like, I don't know, a documentary or a film in itself. I think it is. I think it absolutely is. You know what I mean? And I think um, it's it just I also it also goes to show you that you can't have one person in power for so long because they get very hmm. comfortable and Entitled. they get you know they start getting like king like ideologies that you know you can't stop me because I know where all the bodies are buried and you know I helped you with such and such I think it's one of the reasons why you don't see anybody in that position for so long anymore you know yeah term 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 limits are there for a reason yes you need to. That term needs to be limited it's just to make sure you get some fresh blood and some new ideologies in there. Because, like you just said, um, um, that you have people who get into power and think that these folks work for them instead of Weird. us. Yeah. Like we just went through this or something. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, strange. I mean, it is. <laughs> and it, it's like, it's almost like, you know, it's like, I, I sometimes feel guys where I'm like, did we learn a different U.S. history? Like, you know, how the Constitution gets thrown around and how rights of powers. And I was like, you know, it's a working document. And I'm like, on top of that, there's a reason why you have the things in it 
so that when someone like that does come along, it's it kind of stops you because if you don't have those things, we would be in a whole different type of situation <laughs> yeah, right absolutely. now. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Well, let's 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 get into the story about William O'Neill and how he's enlisted by the FBI and kind of get into the the, the telling. Well, I did want to say. But it is. I did. Yeah, I did want to say quickly is uh, our two leads. I think uh, are we've seen both of them a lot recently, probably in the last five years. Both of them um, were in Get Out. Uh, you know, we've seen uh, Daniel Kaluuya in Black Panther and um, uh, Lakeith Stanfield in Widows. Widows, yeah, but he was also a movie that is very, very undervalued. But it's a good movie, and he's great in it. Oh, I mean, how creepy! Great that scene, that scene, intimidating dude. <laughs> so it, it's it's great to see uh, these two guys together on screen at the same time uh, and able to play off each other. And I feel like this is the next generation of actors that we're getting to see like uh, come into their own. Which is pretty, which is, yeah, like I said earlier, they're two of the best actors working today. And, uh, I really like Daniel Kaluuya and everything that he's done. And, like, Keith Stanfield is I seriously always, one of my favorite actors. I always so perk up when I, I'm like, oh, he's in this? Like, he's, mm-hmm. every time, oh my gosh. He, but totally. Think about the different roles that he's played since, like, Very I mean, different. Since, yeah. Yeah. Since Get Out, like, and I mean, he's, that was he's the a first bit time player I think in that, that. But those scenes that he has are, amazing right but in but in, in since then look at all the things that he's gone on to do like whether it's weird stuff like sorry to bother you which i absolutely adore that film but you know when he's doing that or if he's in knives out or he's doing this which is such a serious atlanta? performance and like like the, the yeah it, well, yeah and then the sh- the yeah. show atlanta yeah i mean he has done so much stuff but really in this film He's a character, you know, a human being that is carrying so much mm-hmm. weight. And, of course, being an undercover informant, he can't let it be known what he's actually doing. And so while all this is happening around him, he can't say anything. And and this isn't narrated like an internal monologue, but you just see it with his eyes, what he's thinking and feeling. And there's so much power to that. And he does a phenomenal job acting with his you know physical features you need so much subtlety in a role like this because you have to convey to the audience what you're thinking without without also making people question why everyone in the like in that car didn't know what he was thinking you know what you know what i'm saying oh sure so sure, like sure, if sure. he's if he's too over the top then you're like come on everybody knows he's acting <laughs> weird they'd put a bullet yeah. in his head right now and <laughs> you'd be sweating <laughs> right. yeah yeah why is yeah. he sweating so much <laughs> It is. It is. Um, I think Lakeith is. He's like an artist. Artist. Yeah. Is the best sure. way I can put it. He's not somebody that's really interested in being famous. Mm-hmm. He likes doing the work. If it were up yeah. to him, he wouldn't do any of these interviews. He wouldn't. He would mm-hmm. just be in his little world and work with the people that he's working. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think for Daniel. We are in for a treat and for a long ride. I, the way he chooses roles is very specific. This is not a guy that's just doing stuff just to be doing stuff. Like we know some people where we're like, God, why are you making this movie, right? <laughs> he's not one of those folks. And when you speak to him, he's very, he again, he's also someone not interested in being famous. He's not on social media, has no interest in being on social media. But unlike Lakeith, is more open to talk about his work, right? You don't know anything about his personal life. What you know is by happenstance, it's not him talking about it. 
Uh, you know, he's very close to his family, loves his mom. But you get that this is a guy he's, he loves to act and he's very purposeful. And he wasn't going to do this unless he could do it right. And from Chicago people, I'm not from Chicago, so if any of you guys are or closer to that, they said he got the accent down. And most importantly, the family felt he embodied. They signed off on him. Mm. So I think, um, I do think Mr. Kalua will make it all the way to April in the top five. You know what I mean? Uh, I think he he's just riveting. And he's beautiful to look at. <laughs> you know, I, mean, I don't mean that as in, I don't just mean that as in, in a handsome way. It's just, you know, there's a guy up there that cares and he's putting in the work. Because again, we've all seen it where you're like, "Oh God, why? Why are you playing this?" You know what I mean? And then we got to sit through it to the end so we can speak accurately about it. But we really want out, but not with him. I think with him, we're always we want to see more. Yeah, it's funny know? when you say you want to see more. Yeah. My he, like I, honestly, my biggest complaint about this movie, and I, I think Kevin and Joe will be aghast when I say this. I wish because I never say it. I wish it was longer. I, oh, I. F- it's quick. I, it's a quick two I, hours. It is quick too, not yeah, a hard yeah. two. And, and I feel like there was a lot of story that didn't get to get told that because yeah, they were they were trying to hit that two hour mark and and I I would have enjoyed to, the, this movie in a lot of ways kind of reminded me of of The Godfather and that it's this kind of epic tale. And and I, I think it would have benefited and and justified a, a two hour and 45 minute runtime to, to kind of get yeah, probably. a little bit more complexity, you know. So also, you know, we got to understand our, our we're movie people. We love movies. That's our that's that's our that's our home. We can sit in a the theater, watch five films. That's a great day for us. But the average person does not have that type of patience. So they're probably thinking like, are these people going to stay for two totally. hours plus? If yeah. you, if you can give Definitely. the departed two and a half hours, you can give this two and a half hours, right? Like that's, that's Yeah. You know. I, I, I mean for, for film people, yes. But for general audiences, again, when you're talking about, is this movie going to be a huge smash hit and it comes out and it's based on, it's a historical film. And as soon as you start going close to three right. hours, people are well, going to start on paper. Like, uh, apparently on paper, it sounds like an eat your vegetables experience, you know? And, and I, th- I sure, think the part sure, is sure. a good kind of reference point too, because it is, it's a lot closer to something like that in terms of like, I feel weird saying from an enjoyment standpoint, because I know that this is ultimately an awful story, but it, it is an, uh, it is a story that sucks you in and and you you want to see where it, where it's headed and i would think right. for a good chunk of america they don't know where it's headed right like like even though it's a true mm-hmm. story and it's historical like i i would bet most people walking into a theater especially white people that they've never heard the name fred hampton or if they have it's like mm, that sounds vaguely familiar like that the, they're they could there's a large a portion of America that could be truly shocked by the ending of this movie, even though it's part of the historical record. I think that's very true. I I had no idea about this story. Well, if, I just I didn't. If you remember in Trial of the Chicago Seven, this is the picture that they show him to freak him out oh. when he gets so upset. They they're showing him a picture of Fred Hampton, and that's when he gets like 
really just kind of mm. loses his shit. Also, Calvin Harrison Jr., another great actor that needs to do more work. He is Fred Hampton in Trial of the Chicago Seven. Yeah. In it for like, if yeah. you blink, you miss it. Mm-hmm. Right, and it's it ties into why Bobby got even more upset because and Bobby- and. I thought it was interesting having just seen the trial of the Chicago seven. Don't they show the picture of Bobby seal in this movie? They show a, a yes. courtroom drawing. So it's of like, it. yeah. yeah. Or the drawing yeah. of him all tied up, right? Jay Hoover is like, yeah. you know, talk. Yeah, yeah. So I thought that was interesting. I mean, at least I had some context there because of having just watched that film. And, uh, but yeah, I didn't know this story or how it was going to end. And it was fascinating that it was eye-opening right and uh and 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 raging and and to know that things like this were going on and also i mean that's a tough role for lakeith stanfield to play because you've got this career criminal that was just a kid i mean you know he was 17 years old and a career criminal and then he's forced with well you're either going to go away to jail or you're going to do this thing and you know he ultimately took the selfish route right, that you right. know, he made the selfish well, choice I think, uh, this, and this look seven... at well hold on hold okay. on hold on he ultimately made this decision that only benefited him and look at the damage that he did for the movement for his people for history i mean all to stay out of jail for stealing cars and and, and you know these right. other crimes and look at the damage he did it's unbelievable well, i think he he used his 17 year old brain right like there was no forward thinking like and that's why they exactly him. that's exactly right he yeah. was a 17 year old who didn't think uh, past his nose because no 17 year old does that and he you know he worried about himself and this he got himself caught up in a situation that he could not get himself out of and when he got further into right. it you know you know once once he's enlisted and years you know months go by and time goes by and he sees what they're doing i think he starts to realize he has he, he, has, he has a character turn but it's too late you know right also but you he, gotta remember he wasn't political that's the key thing like when he's asking, you, you talked about the opening of the film, right? But we already know what his hustle is. It's funny, but right. it's not, right? You're like, what the hell? Like, really, dude? That's how you're stealing cars? Like, what happened to just yeah. doing the thing, right? So that, that alone gives you a good idea where he's not the sharpest knife in the tool shed. And then when they're talking, right? And he's like asking him, like, how do you feel about Malcolm X? How do you feel about Martin Luther King? Like, he's like, ah, oh, and he's like, oh, he's not political. So perfect. So he is not connected. I I totally get what you're saying with his views of politics, but I think it did show, I mean, I think it was very impactful and very smart what he was doing because his ploy that we see is he is not, you know, Jesse Plemons character. He says, why didn't you just hold him up at gunpoint? Right. Exactly. And then he, and he, but, he, yeah, but the he's line. smart. I think he's actually smart. Cause he says the badge is scarier than a gun. And I think that is so relevant to today. Sure. still, sure, and, sure. and the things that we see going on with, or like, why didn't you just take the, I don't know. I'm not a car thief, but you know, isn't that like a little kitten situation where you just take the freaking car without involving <laughs> the people? Sure. But, of course. You know what I mean? it's like you it just it seemed it's like you just said joe he used his 17 year old right, brain right. to how harder than it needs to be because maybe he 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 maybe it's a thrill you know the idea i'm going in there and i'm using this badge to scare the bejesus out of his people that's a little kick for him and on top of that i took it off. as he he knew that if they thought an officer had done it they're not going to report the car stolen, even though it is. So, like, well, he says that in, he says that in the car where he's just like, by the time they realize 
it's too like I'm already gone. By the time they realize that they've been duped, like I'm already out the. I'm, but that's not what Tom's it, saying. That it's a loss. If you think the FBI has come and taken the car, you're not even. Especially if you're a criminal yourself, or if you're, you know, you're just going to write. You're just going ch- right, to write it like, off as a loss. You're not going to get in a fight with with law enforcement sure, sure, sure. over your stolen yeah. car. You because you know you're not going to win. Right. So, yeah, I think that was a very smart move. And while he made bad decisions and he was just a kid, it's like, man, that's a really smart point, right? He's doing dumb things. He's a criminal, but it's a really smart point. And it also hammers home that what's still relevant today is that the police are scary because he says it makes you feel like you've got the whole army behind you when you see that badge. And I think that's a really poignant impactful point and that's made in the opening of I also film. think it illustrates that this character is a little bit more politically savvy than he's giving himself credit for yeah he's not political in terms of like he wants to improve his community he's political in yeah. terms of he's manipulative he- like he knows how to use his gifts for lack of a better word to get what he wants this isn't about I want to make the world better it's about how can and, I get right, that. that's, right, yeah. a, that's yeah. a different type of political Manipulation at its core is a gift for it, evil. Yeah, I mean, I, I you yeah. can convince people you can convince people to do things that are for the detriment, whether it's your family, your community, your business, you know, whatever the situation is. I think that's where O'Neill lives. Now the conundrum is what they told him this organization is and what he sees that it is are right. two different right. things. And that's where he's like, what? You know what I mean? And there are attempts, small attempts, by him trying to say, no, that's not what's happening. And then, of course, you see uh, Mitchell being like, are you are you becoming empathetic? Yeah, like, yeah, he starts to kind of question his loyalties and if he's a little, getting in a little bit too deep, which then puts the threat back on Bill that he's going to jail. Like well, right. once I mean, the as as great as Jesse Plemons is and we see him we have seen him so many times again in the last 10 years where he just pops up you're like, "Oh man, he's so good." And in this one he's it the the, the characters that he's playing is can be very empathetic where he's bringing Bill uh into his home, which is something that doesn't happen, right? Like you don't bring your informant to your house. So he's buying him steak dinners. He's hooking him up with a car. He's, he's doing all of these different things. He's not just buying him steak dinners. He's making him steak dinners, right? Like, he's waiting on him. Yes. And he yes. he's bringing him in, into yes. clubs. Like, he's bringing him to areas, excuse the expression, to white-only areas that normally black people can't, don't you have You don't have to apologize because we're the ones you that did one, it. You don't feel comfortable. <laughs> yeah, and you don't have the money. So he's bu- buying mm-hmm. him nice scotch, nice piece of steak. You know, he's like, look, you too can have this if you continue down this path. And again, like you said, it's William O'Neill is selfish. He's not thinking about these other people. He wants he wants yeah. a piece of the he's pie. getting the, he's getting well, the money. Boy, he's getting the, the food. He's getting the, the booze. He's getting the car like he's getting all he, this. He's getting a gas station. He's tre- right. Well, like, he's treat he's well, he treating that, but, O'Neill but. like an equal. Right. He's treating them like, you yeah. know, like, like, you know, like a partner or a compatriot. And and. You know. Also, keep in mind it's what it's 1969, right? So this guy would have come of age during the the 
the, the, the civil rights civil era rights and movement. Jim Crow, right? Like, so, like, the idea that not only a, a white man, but a white police officer, an FBI agent, is saying, come to my house, I'm going to make you dinner. Right. You sit there and here, don't just drink my scotch, drink my good scotch, right? Like... <laughs> Meet my wife and my right, child. Like that's like bringing him into his I th- family. I think a lot of people in the present day, even though you, like we're aware, like we know what it was. You don't actually map out the timeline and really think about how like that affects the psyche of of the people that were going through that. Sure, sure. Yeah, well, a lot of people are gonna. That's why I said is I think if this was playing in a movie theater, we gotta understand. Like my grandmother was born mm-hmm. into Jim Crow. That is. My grandmother did not vote until she was 30. And it was because she moved up north. It wasn't because of right. civil rights. But it's just, it's not as far removed as we like to right. think. Right? Totally. Absolutely. So I born in 70. So I'm really the first generation, if you want to do that math, that grew up not in necessarily segregation that we moved a little bit more freely. Like, that wasn't my reality. Don't get me wrong. I mean, obviously, I understood that was racism, but I didn't have those type of confinements. Like, we weren't the first people at the post office or that worked at the bank or me going to college. My option wasn't primarily HBCUs. My option was wherever I could go to school. Do you know what I mean? So that is, like, a huge huge thing and i will say to my grandmother's credit she never had us live in that bubble she never all her horrible experiences with white people she never spoke ill of white people she always wanted us to have our own perspective she didn't want her experiences to be our worldview and there have been some horrible things that she's seen but to her credit she somehow still believed in the good of people. Do you know what I mean? So I think we sometimes take it for granted that it's like, oh, like it happened in the 1930s. Yeah. Like, no, we're, <laughs> a lot of us were like the generation that was literally just born as a result of sure. this. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, we did talk about, we talked about him stealing the cars and that's how we got uh, picked up. Can we talk about Dominique? Dominique, who, who plays that bro? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think we speak of young talent, and she hasn't been seen in a lot. A lot of you probably remember her from Power, Project Power. She was probably the best thing in that, you know? <laughs> she was the poet. I think Dominique, too, is a... Um, a young talent. She's got some, she's got some heart-wrenching performances. Yeah. And I think that the only... Like, one of my few issues with this is to... I wish she would have had a little bit of a bigger role because women played an important part in the Black Panther Party. They were considered equal. One of few organizations didn't have the women make the coffee and type. They were out there. They were considered equal revolutionaries. But I do like her in this. Um, She has a beautiful presence about her and a spirit, and she is a strong actress, and I'm looking forward to more things from her. Yeah, and she's got some gut-wrenching scenes in this movie. Yeah, she was really magnetic in in the role, and and uh, I think anytime she was on screen, you're drawn to her presence. So she does seem just like a natural talent, and I did really like how in the movie, 
uh, not only with her, but when you actually when you saw uh, earlier um, the female member of the Black Panthers and, you know, how she was there with them and riding in the car with them and had a gun. And, you know, they there was no like you said, they were equals. There was no, you know, superiority or inferiority between the men and women. They were there fighting alongside them and had uh, equal roles. And so I do think the movie got that across very well with that one member uh, that's, you know, along with them the whole time. And, and, uh, um, but going forward in the story, so, uh, Bill O'Neill is facing five years of federal yeah, time. On, so on, some, on some charges that were elevated unnecessarily, right? Like, he, well, I mean, he intimid- he, he was impersonating a federal officer. He, I mean, he, he gave, did that. Yes. The, the, the fed, um, Jesse Plemons give, gave him the maximum number of years that he could face. And that, you know, you always makes it sound worse when you get a higher number. Right. Uh, but yes, he is faced with these with these charges. And then he just they they figure out that. I mean, I think if he gave him six months, he would have done this. I mean, this kid probably the, that's, true. that's true. out for himself. I five years isn't even that much. Time, uh, it's day I'm for day. Saying. No, it's different. It's so I mean, fed time is if you if you go do federal time, you don't like get time off for good behavior. You do yeah. you don't. You do it every day. But still, I mean, the kid is 17. I mean, he'd be out by 22. I'm not I mean, it's not life. I mean, it's five years. But I'm, my point is, if if he gave him one year, I think he would have said, OK, where's the Black Panther rally? I'm <laughs> yeah, right, right. You know, like Bill O'Neill was is he was not about that. that time. He was not that yeah. type of criminal where I'm going to sit here and take one for the team. Yeah, he would have taken any anything. I, that's what you're what you're saying is 100 yeah. percent. He would have taken his get out of jail card. Yeah. I mean, I think also um, we got to talk a little bit about um, how we see the two sides of Fred. We see, obviously, the orator, mm-hmm. very magnetic. We forget. We got to mention he was 21. So why so he was young. Very, it's so young. Yeah. Yeah, why he was very magnetic in his leadership and his passion in the movement. I do like that we see when he's with Deborah mm. that he hadn't had a lot of romantic experience. Like, you know, like he she kind of like had to take the lead because like you can't give her like that's not how you perceive a romance. You can't be like, I'm going to give a speech. And it's also I like it because it shows you that why men when they like a woman, it's that awkwardness where you're like, you know, not to say that we are awkward. No, we are. Is that thing, you know what I mean? Where you like, I like her a little bit more than I just want to hook up, but how do I proceed? And, you know, and then you ask each other and that advice is usually bad, but I like that he was a little fumbling through that. You know what I mean? Like at first they met on the political thing that they that they have in common and she's passionate like she he is and she's there but when they're alone it's like oh now i got to talk to her i can't just talk to her about politics like my favorite scene is when he's impersonating malcolm x that was that was first off it was really good uh, impersonation but also it was just it was very endearing of just like you know like he's trying to impersonate like i can sound like this and but he also was like taking in the message but making it his own like i it worked on so many levels yeah and i think that's important because you know i think with fred because of how he died he became very hero-like very mystified and to a certain point that i understand it but we sometimes forget right these people are human you yeah, know what i mean sure, that sure. means that while you're strong in some areas um, you know, we, we there has to have been doubt, fear, 
or you know he didn't give him the luxury because he understood what was the movement was bigger than any of his quips. So I think it's important that we did get to see that there were some right. imperfections. And I will say that I think one of the things I I really liked about this movie is that it wasn't. Uh, I mean, I think you definitely come away with positive impression overall of the Black Panthers, but but it is kind of a warts and all thing. You you. you 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 see them kill police officers. They don't just not show you that and try to make them look like saints. But you also see maybe the the backdrop against how those situations arose to where you're like, well, you shouldn't have shot a cop. But I also get like your backs against the wall. Like it, you yeah. know what I mean? Like it, not to say it's okay, but you but like it would have been very easy to just kind of omit that part of the story. And sure. Yeah. Absolutely. And we see, you know, this, what we know now as Head Start came out of the Black Panther movement. Mm-hmm. You know, the breakfast in the school, the teaching kids from an earlier age, you know what I mean? Because, you know, education in the inner city is still caca, yeah. still the worst. Outstanding use of the word caca, by the way, <laughs> which is one that gets used around my house all the time. <laughs> And, you know, also clinics, understanding, you know, they were really implemental with making, uh, getting funding into sickle cell anemia, which affects the black community at high rates. So it's important, you know, it's it's, it's important to see that they were more than right. the guys with the guns, because that's what, again, that's what the government wanted you to sure. believe. Well, you sure. know, they had the guns, so we needed to take care of them, but there were they were addressing things that were missing in the community. And, you know, hence we are still talking about healthcare. It's crazy to look at the similarities between the black Panthers and, and the, the old school mafia, because that's what the old school mafia would do, right? Like that they were kind of formed to take care of their neighborhood and to keep riffraff and, and um, stuff they didn't want in the neighborhood out. So it's, it's kind of cool to see like the the similarities between the the organizations and like their origins and stuff. But yeah, so uh, Bill gets uh, wrangled by the feds to kind of become their informant inside, and he um, works his way right next to Daniel Kaluuya quickly. Like he is, he's got a car. They say that. Uh, Fred can't drive anywhere because the cops were constantly pulling him over and giving him, uh, you know, harassing him with tickets. So he just stopped driving. Uh, so he has a driver and and Bill becomes that driver. And well, you can see how dirty throughout the film that these oh, cops, the cops are, are terrible. trying to they just they need to stop Fred Hampton because he's in charge of this movement. And so whether it's through traffic tickets and doing whatever the they car, can, he stops that. And then they ultimately get him for stealing seventy dollars worth of ice cream. It's five years and five years in, in state pen for for ice cream. Like, I mean, it's it's kind of like the uh, the whole tax evasion thing with Al Capone. Sure, right? sure, sure, I sure. Mean, how, how it's like you can't get this guy. And so you finally get them on these charges like, yeah. You stretch it out because, again, um, they didn't have that type of money to, to be going to court right, for, right. you know, endless foolery. But I think also, yeah, you do see that. Um, the other part I think is important that we talk about is Fred was smart enough to be like, you know what? 
this will work better if we work with all the different. I was just going to bring that up. Is that he he goes out of his way to talk to the Puerto Ricans and to talk to the Southern guys, which I thought that scene was spectacular. Yeah. And I think uh, that's he, what got what I thought was a clan meeting, and I was like, Jesus, this is a bold move yeah. on your part. Brother. And I think that's what got him but killed, right? Like that scared the crap out of the government. Oh yeah, yeah. When he makes it his his job is to not just bring together the the African American community, but to organize this coalition uh, of all the oppressed all people. Of, the, exactly, exactly. Uh, and I do love that line when he's talking to the folks, the Southern folks, where he's just like, "Your kids are getting the same garbage education that our kids are. You're you're getting harassed by the same cops. Mm-hmm. Like, if you join with us, there's mo- there'll be more of us together." So he is putting together this super group if you want to call it that of of the community of the of the of the disenfranchised of the people who are uh on the receiving end of uh discrimination and that is when the government's like holy shit like this is uh we're in trouble like this this is bad like he's gonna so they take it upon themselves to uh get as much information on him as possible and while they put fred away for five years uh, Bill kind of steps up, and this is he kind of has a character. It was like two years, right? He wasn't put away for five. It was like was two it two? To okay, I think. it could have been. Yeah, I guess that's true because because yeah. Deborah's pregnant right before yeah. he goes in. Right before she she gets pregnant, right before he goes in, and it's but it's also this idea, right? They're like, okay, we got him, so this situation is going to slow right. down. Right, and they they He's bomb they like, bomb the headquarters, yeah. and it's like you know, and it's it's. And when I say they, I mean the police officers throw bombs into a building. Um, And I think that's the moment when Bill sort of has a character turn and realizes that he's in too deep and he can't he can't get out because he sees uh, other groups come together who were enemies of the Black Panthers or adversaries, maybe not enemies, but definitely like at different ends of the spectrum uh, come in and start lending hands and helping and putting their their place back together um and then uh fred gets out and realizes he's got a a baby on the way and he kind of changes a little bit his he's not as staunch is that the right word he he's a he's softened up a little bit yeah because you have a kid right and and it you know a pregnant woman (laughs) seeing a woman pregnant especially once she pops out i mean it does something it does it does like before it's kind of like we're having a kid but once you see it you're like oh snap like we yeah. really are it's all fun and games kids. until there's that little life in your hands yeah, exactly. and you're like oh this is real i don't want to speak to you gentlemen but i know for my husband it was kind of like no no i definitely i, I mean the you know, like like we gotta like do something holding, holding my oldest for the first time was uh, a, a sobering thing um it, yeah you got another life to look up yeah for. it's not just it's yourself not just me anymore, anymore. Uh, it's it's weird as I was watching it. It kind of reminded me of Dogma, in that your Loki and Bartleby are both one way in the beginning of the movie, and then about halfway through they flip. And this is this this movie kind of does the similar thing where, um, Fred and and Bill are on two opposite sides of the coin, and then about halfway through, and after Fred's child is born, they kind of flip sides, where Fred kind of becomes more diplomatic where bill is more like nope we got to kill him because bill has seen people that he have he has come up with in this organization get murdered 
and he realizes. Well, and Bill is the deeper he gets, he realizes that he's on he's the wrong, wrong side, yeah, right? And yeah, he, he definitely, yeah. And it's it's also he's gotten to know these people, like yeah. as people, not as this thing that he's been told about, right? So he sees how they have each other's back, how they fight for one another, how they genuinely care. It's not a shtick. You know what I well, mean? the FBI can only lie to him so much. He's yeah, right, it. right. He sees the people. <laughs> you know he can... <laughs> I mean? and exactly. And I think there is this thing. And not just that, how the community depends on them, how the community embraces them, you know. And and I think, you know, where it's it's definitely one of those things where he's he's in way too deep at that yes. point. There is no yeah. out. Like there, there's only one way out, like jumping off the roof. But, you know, he wasn't going to take that. But he is. He is a man at a crossroads and he cannot pick the right no. road. So right? Fred's already been to jail once. He gets out. Nothing really changed, right? The Black Panthers slow down a little bit. He gets out. Now he's a hero. He's he's a, kind of a martyr of sorts. I mean, they're, you know, the Black Panthers are back and they're doing the same thing. And so J. Edgar Hoover realizes, I mean, Fred's going to go away to jail again, but it's not going to stop anything. And they're just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And, and stronger, so the yeah. FBI, led by J. Edgar Hoover, says, we've got to stop Fred Hampton. And we mean stop. And they send in Rell. Which I thought was funny. Like when he, sh- yeah. I saw his name in the credits, and I was like, "What? What the hell kind of what role is he gonna play?" And he <laughs> plays this role, <laughs> yeah, right. That is just it's terrifying. <laughs> like it's, it's he. Uh, Bill goes into a bar, kind of has a run in with this dude, and hands him this paper. And inside this paper uh, is poison. And and Bill's like, "What do you want me to do with this?" He's like, "No." Nah. He's like, oh, he's like, basically says, I can't do this. Like, I know what you want, what you're, what you're asking me to do. I cannot do this. And, and he's just like, oh, okay, I got cool. the wrong guy. Right, and walks, away. walks away. And then uh, Bill freaks out and he runs after the guy and he's banging on his window. He's like, who are you? If you're a fed, you got to tell me. If you're a fed, you got to tell me. Oh, man. Show me your when badge. When you think he's going <laughs> to show you his badge, we we find out that it's it's Bill's fake badge that he had used in the beginning of the movie. And at that point, Bill knows I'm screwed. They've got, we've got you. Yeah. Like you're going to do this or else like, right. I mean, so yeah. if, if we do it, then you're not under our protection anymore. Like either you do this or else you know, right. we'll find someone else to do it. Basically. So, so Bill does it. He goes to a party and he's beside himself and he slips uh, Fred, uh, poison in his dress. It was a poison, it was, or was it just like it a was, sleep aid? Yeah. So when they attacked, he wouldn't wake up and do anything. Yeah. Which is so heartbreaking when Deborah tries to wake him up. Well, I can't help go. but think it's not to stop him from fighting back. It's to stop him from helping them navigate the situation in a way where they wouldn't fight back right because because what they oh. want is for them to oh, fight I back because as saying. soon as one of them pulls a gun like it's all over and from and and we talked about the the, the 94 shots in into you know that they that, that the fbi did during this raid but from what i read the the black panthers there was one one there was one Oh yeah. yeah, that was one. And also remember, Deborah was pregnant, so he definitely would have navigated the situation yeah. differently. Was she pregnant, or did she have the baby at that point? Was she still pregnant? No, no, no. she had the baby. She was still pregnant. She mm-hmm. had the baby in December. Okay, okay. 
So they said like right was, after he died, right? Yeah. So yeah. poor woman. So yeah. so yeah. So the night of this party, the 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 feds attack, and I that's the that's the term that I'm going to use is that's exactly what they did. Well, they call it a raid. They attacked, but like that's it's that, that's. A, it's a yeah. yeah, it's a yeah, murder. They murdered it. it. I mean, it wasn't a raid. Like, oh, you think of a raid. Oh, let's do a raid on this drug, you know, den oh, or a whatever. A raid is you know, Waco, this... right? Like, right. That's, There's a raid. Yeah, that's what, not the best example. Yeah, that, that was a with. calculated killing is what they did. Yes. It is, yeah. What is it? They called in a court of justifiable homicide. Justifiable homicide. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, um, yeah, I mean, they went in there like the cavalry mm-hmm. and just shot sure. everywhere. Yeah. And, it's a hard and, scene and to murdered watch. and murdered and murdered yeah. uh, a, a lot of people. And yeah, and I think um, one of the things we, we don't see in this in this film is the Panthers did later on bring the media and everybody into the scene for them to see all the bullets, for them to see the mattress, because they wanted people to know that the narrative that was being spun mm-hmm. out there was not, how do you why one guy and like you said the other guy that was also shot and a pregnant woman you needed this much firepower mm-hmm. like what make that make sense in other words like i need you to think why they're spinning yeah. this like right. this mm-hmm. and and i think you know when you hear the shots it does bring a chill on you and you see deborah and you know the way that they manhandle her not even respecting the fact that she is pregnant like she's some She's not a person. They didn't treat her like a person. And, you know, and, and I do love how, you know, Dominique kind of like has that look on her face. She's got to process the fact that he's dead. And at the same time, keep her senses because she is pregnant. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? She's like, I'm her, not having this baby. In front her, of these people. her face in you that scene. I mean? yeah. there's oh a, there's, she flips a switch uh, in, yeah, in that scene. She, she figured out she's got to keep it together. Right. Because she is pregnant, and um, I, Deborah said something I thought was very important. She said, "I she said I wasn't going to cry in front of these people. They weren't going to get that right. from me." Uh, and I think that's what what Dominique was giving us. Where like I'm going to grieve, but they're not going to see right. That. Yeah, um, and that and that's how it ends. Is we get you know we we get some stingers. We get uh, a last uh, interaction between uh, Bill and is it. What's the Jesse Plummins? Uh, yeah, he, he gets the gas station. That's where he gets. Yeah, the gas Jesse Plummins is like, you did a great job. You did a great job, kid. Like, here's the cash, and well, Neil's ready to like. Now that they're basically done with him, he's waiting to like have a bunch of feds jump on him, right? And, and Mitchell's like, I know you don't trust me, but it's okay. Like, come sit down, come eat. You did a good job. Like, no one's gonna do anything. You're to okay, you. and gives and, him a gas station. Yeah, rewards and... him with a gas station. Imagine that. You help kill someone and you get a gas station. Right, and you get some stingers and um, Fred's family. And so you see the end of the interview that, that opened the film with O'Neill that's based on that documentary, and then you see the real footage of him. Yeah. And, and, and you get to see, and you see that, you know, Fred. he's like, history, let history decide, you know? And, well, and so yeah, you get some stingers and you just say that uh, um, Fred... Fred Jr. is now the the chairman of the black of of uh, that chapter of the Black Panther yeah, Party. Yeah, that young cubs. And yeah, right, right, right. Deborah are very much you know fighting to keep Fred's legacy alive. Um, he's doing something right now where Fred Hampton's childhood home. They're, they're trying to save it. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? And he is. Um, she she gives lectures 
um, every now and then. She's very guarded uh, and understandably so mm. about the interviews she gives. She doesn't, there are not a lot of interviews out there. There's a couple right when this was going on, again, to keep the narrative to understand. They did sue the city of Chicago. It Tw- took about 12, what? 12 years, I think it said. It was the longest like civil suit against the federal government ever. They settled out of court and when William O'Neill did die, she, like a lot of us, normal, you know, she had it in her head that she was going to spit on him. And when she saw him, she was like, that doesn't look like him. That's not him because he wasn't as intimidating of a figure. Oh, sure, as, sure. You know, yeah, she he had shrunk as a man. And she was like, at that point, she was like, everything that I had been holding on to, you know what I mean? And I was finally going to get my piece out of there. And I see this man in this casket and I'm like, yeah. Yeah. So we, we should say that the, the night that the documentary airs on PBS, uh, the night of its airing, uh, Bill committed suicide. Um, he, yes. he saw himself on TV and that was kind of it. I mean, he couldn't, the film you know, speaks for itself right. for what you will. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Then, I mean, Imagine though, like he knew that once people were like, the guy with the gas station is the guy responsible. I mean, first of all, business would have been done. He would have been shunned from the community or also somebody might've taken it upon themselves mm-hmm. to be like, I'm going to end you because you ended him. You ended a lot of hope. Mm-hmm. And also, I got to think that he kind of like did that interview to get some weight off. Yeah, sure. I I How think also he? um eyes. So he was in the Eyes on the Prize 2 documentary and, and Eyes on the Prize was like uh, I, I, just a massive hit for PBS. I mean, it was a huge documentary. It was I mean, it, it was like almost as big as Ken Burns Civil War. When it aired, I mean, it was a, a massive event. So I also can't help but think that, like, part of that too is he knew by giving that interview, he pretty much solidified his legacy by granting that interview mm-hmm. on such uh, a, a, a high profile platform. You know what I mean? Yeah. We got to help people understand we didn't have cable as we know it, we definitely yeah. did not have streaming. Uh, it was like, I was about to say three, six, and 10, but I forget we were all different <laughs> places. But ABC, CBS, NBC, whatever you had on UHF. I know I'm dating <laughs> myself, you know, where I'm from. It was like 20. Yeah, we were 30 and, and uh, channel 30 is what we had. Yeah. Exactly. 24. Exactly. exactly. So whatever your Kung Fu yeah. theater came on, <laughs> put it in, in old people terms. So we didn't have, so PBS was major that's where you got all your culture from so you know if you wanted to see what was happening on broadway or you know know, a play or anything that was happening like in the uk like those shows and those movies that's what you watch pbs so what tom is saying is when that was coming on america tuned in like you know because we knew it was going to be you know interesting we were going to learn something and to watch that america definitely was like oh my god yeah what yeah i think it isn't what they told us it was and he also he knew what he was doing by granting that interview and then clearly by taking his life afterwards that was that was him you know saying goodbye the fbi definitely would have came and been like what are you doing yeah right right. 
So, I mean, this movie, phenomenal performances, a really interesting story and an important one that needs to be told. And I mean, like I said, I wasn't familiar before and I'm really glad that I was able to learn more about it. And uh, this is one that people should watch. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I I think, you know what it will be? I think uh, if we knock on wood, we get off punishment and everybody gets fascinated. And I pray everybody does. Please go get fascinated when you get a chance. Um, I think they'll re-release it in theaters. And I think people will want to be able to see it together. I do think that they did a good thing by having it come on HBO Max, because again, we don't know the state of theater. I think we have to establish that trust, not because, you know, people don't want to go to a theater. It's a, it's a health crisis type of thing. We got to establish trust with each other. You know why we might go. I think, you know, I can speak for a lot of us. I don't think we're scared about the theater being clean. We don't want to deal with the people that don't want to do the right thing. That's fair. That's That's not worth the price of admission, like you getting into a shouting match with crazy people. Right. Yeah, right. So now I'm glad people got to see this movie. Uh, I know before we get out of here, I know that Dan used to dive into the salt mines. Uh, I'm going to come up a little bit higher, maybe just like on the the crust of it. Uh, There's a really good... uh, Yeah, that's fine. I will work with that. Uh, there's a really good graphic novel by uh, David S. Wa- or David Walker and uh, Marcus Kwame Anderson called The Black Panther Party. It's a graphic novel history of the party. Um, you can get it on Amazon. You can kind of get it wherever. I just thought it was a nice little aside to this story. Um, that it, it's David, David F. Walker is a fantastic writer. He's actually got a new show on the WB coming uh, next fall. So I just want to give that people to see that uh, this is my feel on things, right? Whatever it is, whether it's glory or whatever the thing is that you watch on a movie theater is a point of entry. It is not the Bible for the history. It is supposed to move you to learn more, right? At least if you're a learner person. So reading this, going on YouTube, watching the interview eyes on the prize. it's, It's a hard thing to watch, reading things, watching other documentaries, hopefully it will open up your mind and give you a better understanding of who the Black Panthers were so that you're not getting like a single point of view. I just think they're giving you this opening and we should walk through Absolutely. It. There you go. Well, I, uh, I guess that's it for this one. Let's go around the virtual table and everyone can say where to find them. This is Joe. You can follow me on the Twitter at Joey Butts, B-U-T-T-S 21. This is Kevin. Follow me on Twitter at Kevin R. Brackett. And uh, Katia, where can people find you? People can find me at Katia underscore Woods. I'm the same person on everything, and you can read most of my writings on com. And, you know, we were about to dive into another film festival because we we're glutton for punishment. <laughs> but, um, but the nice thing is um, I like that we're able to see more things, and I like the fact that more of my fellow uh, critics are able to see these things because as we know we have families and sometimes these trips are highly expensive. Absolutely. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at Roger Kubert or on Facebook at facebook.com slash Tom O'Keefe. Find the show online facebook.com slash real spoilers while you're there. Like the page, join the group and of course don't forget our Patreon patreon.com slash real spoilers. So that's it for this one. Thanks for tuning in and until next time Marcus refuses to plan a gun on Do-Right.
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.